This is the Social Pros Podcast, the weekly show for real people doing real work in social media. With your host, Jay Bear of Convince and Convert, and featuring Jeff Roars, Nick Cicero from Expian, and great guests from the world of social media and content marketing. Social Pros is sponsored by Exact Target, a Salesforce.com company, Expian, Janray, powering personalized marketing with customer profile management, and Cision. Ready to learn from the pros? Let's get to work. Welcome back, everybody, to Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. It is the post-Thanksgiving edition of the show. I am, as always, Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, joined by my pal Jeffrey K. Roars, recovering attorney and vice president of something important for Salesforce Marketing Cloud. Also joined today by the Chief Innovation Officer of Expion, my webinar pal, Mr. Albert Chow. Albert, welcome to the show. First time into the Social Pros universe. How are you, man? Thanks for being here. Doing well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And Jeffrey, how was your Thanksgiving? What's going on with you? You're, uh, you're in, in Ohio today? I am. I'm in beautiful Lakewood, Ohio. Uh, Thanksgiving was tremendous. I cooked two 14-pound birds, one convection, one on the Primo Smoker, and uh, the Primo Smoker won hands down. So next year, there'll be two birds on that thing. We did the fried turkey again this year, more out of uh, concerns for time than anything else. Managed to, it's so delicious though, so juicy, the fried turkey. Uh, Managed to do it without incident. Uh, No burns, no conflagrations. So that was... uh, Playing with house money the way I look at it. You know, I was surprised. I got the uh, the smoked one done in about three and a half hours without uh, spatchcocking it, where you flatten it. I yeah. kept the bird hold. So, and, that's pretty uh, quick. Yeah, and digital media helped the whole way. I was googling things and YouTubing videos <laughs> for all sorts of stuff. So. I cannot pull off Thanksgiving without uh, the internet these days. All right. So next year on the show, I've got to find a way to get like somebody from Butterball or something for the, uh, for the, and interview them about the Butterball, Butterball sort of Turkey Twitter helpline. That would be an appropriate seasonal episode. We're going to make that happen. But this week on the show, we unfortunately do not have anybody from the turkey or poultry or really Thanksgiving uh, industrial complex at all, but instead a very smart man from a very smart organization. Our guest this week, Mr. Rob Zaleski, who is the marketing manager for Marketing Profs, an unbelievably effective and important marketing education resource online. Many of you who listen to Social Pros, I'm sure, are familiar uh, with, uh, with Marketing Profs. Rob, how are you? I'm doing very well, except for the fact that now I'm really hungry for turkey again. It, yeah. Some people still have turkey left over. It's only been a couple of days, although it seems longer. It's been a busy weekend. Uh, got to watch my uh, Arizona Wildcats beat down uh, Arizona State, which made my weekend. Uh, so I, I'm still in the in the warm afterglow uh, of a rare football victory. Victory always feels good. It smells like turkey. You got to so, really play Oregon now? You gotta beat them yeah. twice. Yeah, gotta play Oregon again. That, that's that's the reward for beating Arizona State. We get Oregon again. So uh, no rest for the wicked, as they said. Rob, tell me uh, a little bit about uh, marketing profs and and your assignment there. It's got to be a little bit weird, like a little bit meta, to be in charge of marketing for a company that is all about telling people how to do marketing. That seems like a high stakes game. Yeah, I like to kind of liken it to a comic book nerd that got to work for Marvel. Um, it was for me, it was it was kind of like a dream job, you know. Um, and when the opportunity came by, for me, it was like, well, just interviewing for this would be an amazing opportunity, just in networking in general. Um, I mean, how many times in your lifetime do you get to interview with Anne Hanley? Well, so um, twice here on the show, but but that's, yeah, that's uh, true. <laughs> as as one of the only two people who have been on the show twice, uh, Ms. Ann Handley, who is the uh, grand content officer at Marketing Profs, and she's she's a great person to work with. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she's yeah. all right. Yeah, she, yeah, she's okay. <laughs> so, what is the what is the team like there? I mean, it and and what you know is it is it just you? Do you have minions? Um, do you and Ann sit around and write tweets together? How does it how does it work day to day? <laughs> well, actually, uh, everybody works remotely, which is an interesting concept to, to deal with. Um, we've got people that span all the way from Maine to Hawaii. Uh, so we all kind of work in a, a virtual meeting space where you can hop into somebody's uh, office. It's called Sokoko. 
and that works out really well. Um, as far as social media goes, everything is me except for the Twitter handle. Um, that's always been Anne Hanley, and uh, I believe that will be for the foreseeable future. She's kind of become synonymous with that handle. Um, but everything else goes through me. Um, I've kind of developed us a Google Doc content calendar that I help uh, coordinate messages from all our, our other business units. Um, my focus is building our basic membership, which is our free membership, um, but we also have our pro memberships, uh, our Marketing Profs University training courses, our enterprise um, training that we do. So I kind of am the social hub for all of the, the messages that our other business units need to get out, um, as well as building up our constant flow of uh, new members for our email list. That's a lot of different responsibilities and sort of mouths to feed within the social universe. Do you have sort of key metrics that you're like, look, we've got a lot of things to do, but these are the ones we really focus on. I mean, it doesn't seem like you're you're selling memberships uh, necessarily uh, in social per se. Um, so, so how do you know whether you're having an impact on the business? Uh, I, I track monthly all of our new basic membership signups. Um, we have various sources, some of which I'm responsible, some of which I'm not. Um, but I kind of help coordinate that because it all does affect, you know, my, my main KPI is new membership signups. So um, if our SEO and uh, search results are not showing up very well and not getting us a lot of memberships, like I need to kind of start figuring out what's going on. You know, did we take a hit somewhere from, from the latest Google update or, you know, are we uh, not optimizing properly? Um, but also, you know, developing partnerships with, with other companies where maybe we'll do a, a co-sponsored webinar or something like that, uh, finding those opportunities to um, introduce, introduce marketing props to new audiences that may or may not be um, familiar with us and trying to kind of bring them into our little marketing props family. Um, th those are a couple of ways that I kind of do that. But my, my main focus is uh, new membership signups. Now, like you said, I mean, social isn't necessarily, you know, a, deal closer most of the time. So a lot of that is um, just kind of brand recognition, um, making sure that, you know, if people do visit any of our, of our social platforms, that we do have a constant flow of information that leads them back to our website um, so that we can maybe try to bring them on board that way. And you've been in this, in this job, what, five, six months, something like that. Yeah, I started at the, uh, the end of July and, uh, kind of right into our, our big season for leading up to uh, B2B Marketing Forum in Boston. Right. So that was, that was intense. <laughs> it was a lot of people there. We tend to have two types of guests here on the Social Pro Podcast. We have people who have been in their role for, for quite a while, and then we tend to have people, uh, and this is partially intentional, who, who are relatively new to their position. And, and being in that latter category, one of the things I'm always interested in is, you know, so you get this job in July, like, what do you do first? What, what does your first 30 days look like? Is it, is it sort of an audit process or, or just kind of paying attention to seeing what's happening or, or kind of what's on the top of your list when you start in a position like this where you, know, you have, we'll talk about this a little bit in a minute, but you have a lot of social channels uh, that you have to babysit. So what was kind of your first, uh, your first act uh, as, uh, as the marketing manager? Um, there was definitely definitely an auditing process. Um, I found that you know, we're kind of using a lot of tools. Um, one of my goals for 2015 is to really streamline the way that we do a lot of things, especially when it comes to um, building up the social channels. Um, kind of currently in the market for uh, a really good kind of comprehensive social platform um, for scheduling and keeping up to everything. Uh, I'm a bit of a, of a purist when it comes to the social networks. Like I like actually being on them as opposed to monitoring everything through a dashboard. Um, but that's time consuming. So <laughs> um, that was one of my big things to focus on was, was trying to streamline. But you're right. We, we do have a lot of, of social channels. Um, and one of my big pushes was that I really felt we needed to be on Google Plus and have a lot more presence there. Because um, as Jeff will tell you, it's all about audience. And... Uh, I really felt that there was an audience of marketers there that we just really weren't connecting with and really weren't um, 
interacting with, and so that was one of my big pushes. And we, it's been received very, very well. Um, we've done, we've actually seen many posts that do much better than they do on Facebook, and we've got, you know, I think six or seven thousand followers on Google Plus, and pushing a hundred thousand fans on Facebook. So comparatively, the uh, the metrics for that have been beautiful. Yeah, no kidding. I, I was going to ask you about that your your recent uh, foray into Google Plus and and you know we find the same thing that you can be a little bit more thoughtful and you can expound on your points because the the best practice for Google Plus posts is almost like a mini blog post, right? It's it's not a sentence and a link. It's it's three paragraphs and a link. It almost becomes its own piece of content right there on the platform. And what we see is that it generates sometimes fewer clicks because you have to sort of tell the story in the post, but it generates a lot more uh, engagement. So, uh, you know, as we say here on the show a lot, you, you can't just repurpose content exactly from one platform to the other. You can take the same piece of content, but you're going to have to distribute it with quite a bit um, of, of channel-based nuance. Absolutely. And I mean, I've been a big fan of Google Plus for a long time, even when people, you know, we're, we're calling it a ghost town still. Um, and I, I noticed that too when I'm looking at my Google Analytics. Like we don't see the kind of click-throughs that we get, you know, especially from Twitter. Um, Google Plus is still pretty far down below LinkedIn and Facebook. Um, but the amount of conversation that I'm seeing there, yeah. uh, especially you know, posting in the communities and just from our, our regular posts, it's it's an amazing group of people there that I'm I'm glad we're finally reaching. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I imagine in a lot of cases, the people that you are interacting with in social, whether it's uh, LinkedIn or your LinkedIn group or Google Plus or Twitter or Facebook or otherwise, are in many cases already paid members of Marketing Profs or, or at least um, familiar with the organization. And, and I suspect that one of the advantages of social, whether it's tracked exactly or not, is that it, it mitigates churn, right? That it, it keeps people retained and, and gets those memberships to renew. Is, is there a way that you can track that? I mean, do you look into the, the membership database and say, yes, this person interacts with us in social media, therefore social media had some impact on their retention behavior? Uh, that's actually one of the things I'm really trying to focus on for this next year is, is tying those things together a little bit more closely. Um, I don't think that's something we've tracked as much as we, we want to. Um, we, we do have uh, a LinkedIn group that is solely for our pro members, and uh, that actually does really well for retaining people and keeping people engaged, uh, not just in our own content, but in uh, helping each other in questions that they have. Uh, so the LinkedIn group has been a huge help for us, especially when it comes to the paid members. Um, but it's as far as the other networks, I don't know yet how much they're really helping to retain people aside from the fact that I do see, you know, conversations still happening there um, with people that seem very familiar with us as a brand. Hey, Rob, it's Jeff. Um, let's let's take a little bit more in LinkedIn. Um, what other points of evolution have you seen there uh, as they've been doubling down on uh, content creators and distribution? Well, um, it really helps that Anne Hanley is a LinkedIn influencer. So that gives us a lot more uh, visibility on the platform as well. And, and can, you, can you explain to folks what that influencer program uh, was and is now? Because I know it used to be very exclusive, and and how how does it work today? Yeah, the uh, they originally chose some kind of high profile people in social media and marketing to create regular content on the website um, that would show up pretty prominently, and uh, I'm not sure how early in the process Anne was tapped for that, but she's um, She's been doing it for a while, and uh, I think she still does. It's either a weekly or a monthly post on LinkedIn, and you know, pretty much always shows up in the Pulse, which is kind of their what's hot on LinkedIn right now. Um, I'm not sure what the current evolution of it is. Um, have, do you know? Have they opened that up completely to everybody, or is it still? Well, I think they have from you know the content creation standpoint. I'm not sure, uh, Jay. You might know what the line of demarcation is for influencer as a. As a title within, yeah, they haven't uh, expanded. They haven't expanded today, but uh, the content platform's open. Yeah, they haven't expanded the pool of influencers per se. It's still uh, generally that original batch. Anybody can create content now. They just won't get the same kind of distribution love that a designated influencer uh, will get. Right, right. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, 
she she gets a, a lot of traction on there, and that helps us. Obviously, um, pretty much anything that Ann Hanley does kind of helps build marketing profs as a as a default because she's kind of almost a face of the company. Um, but we we do see a lot of conversation happening. We have two different LinkedIn groups. We have one that's just for our pro members, and then we have one that's for um, anybody that's interested in in marketing and marketing profs. But um, aside from Twitter, which you know we've got 200,000 I think followers um, of the main handle, uh, that's our main driver of traffic. But underneath that is LinkedIn, so it, it drives a lot of click-throughs. Um, it gets us a lot of conversation. Um, we use the, the the group feature every, uh, usually every week. Sometimes we we drop off, but you know we use that to try to reach people um, about big announcements that are happening. So it's it's definitely a platform that for 2015 I want to utilize a bit more. Uh, maybe start playing around with the the promoted posts a little bit on there to see if we can gain a little bit more traction where needed. Um, but LinkedIn is is a big one for us, especially in the B2B space. So. How does uh, email then fit in? Uh, I'm, I'm assuming that when you, you list Twitter and, uh, and LinkedIn, you're thinking of what we you know, would define as kind of traditional social channels, but email obviously is a big part of what you guys do. Absolutely. I mean, email is, is probably our number one, um, I guess, network, you could say. Um, <clears throat> we, uh, we have our Marketing Profs Today newsletter that goes out, uh, and that's kind of our, our fresh content every day, and there's anywhere from like four to six to seven different articles in there, and that that drives a lot of <clears throat> excuse me that drives a lot of uh, traffic back to our website. But those are our you know current members, so uh, I'm always trying to add to that list. I think we're at like a 620,000 for our email list, and uh, we we add about. 11 to 12,000 a month, um, and I'm looking to, to try to beef up those numbers a little bit more in 2015. But email with just our content and then some of our sponsored content that we do with, with mm -hmm. other marketing partners, like it is our, our main channel. And uh, we're looking at some, some marketing automation software for 2015 that I think is going to help make uh, our email a little bit more effective too, which would be nice. Great. So two more questions for me. Um, how does email interplay then with the social channels back and forth, uh, both to engage and, and grow the audience for you guys? Um, the, the newsletter that we send out every day, uh, I'll also use some of those articles for our social content. Um, not exclusively, but um, it's kind of nice to have that constant feed of, of marketing articles uh, to push over to social too. Um, we do see some people that connect with us um, from email to social. Uh, I'd actually like to see the opposite happening a little bit more. Um, I think we still have a lot of opportunity for people that are on our social media channels that just don't realize that they can sign up for membership to get the email every day uh, and kind of get the insider look behind uh, all the events that we have going on. Um, I'm going to try it. I think that's another thing I want to really focus on is trying to tie that together a little bit more so that email supports social and social supports email because right now they are kind of more of a separate separate entities. Sure. So I'm, I'm hoping to tie those together a little bit more for 2015. So uh, my last one before throwing it over to Albert, um, you guys also have a mobile app. Um, how How is the traffic to that? How are you growing the mobile audience? Um, and, you know, has that app evolved over the years from what, you know, perhaps was originally, you know, just a representation of articles to something a little bit different? Yeah, funny that you mentioned that, actually. We are currently working on the mobile app to revamp it for 2015. Um, we were talking to people at B2B Forum in this past October, and we realized a lot of people just didn't realize we had an app. Um, and so, you know, I, I did a survey uh, November, I believe, of marketers just kind of asking, you know, how much do you do from your phone? How much are you working from your phone or your tablets? And a lot of marketers are, are doing stuff on the go. And so we want to try to accommodate that. Um, we're not seeing the traffic that we would like to see from the mobile app, which makes us feel like you know, now is the time to really revamp it and, and uh, hopefully build it up a little bit more. And so I think once we actually get it to where we want it to be, uh, we're going to start talking about it a little bit more and try to see if we can drive more traffic to uh, downloading the app so that um, people you know, have the access to the articles on the go, have access to uh, the Marketing Smarts podcast, um, 
and then hopefully that'll drive a little bit more interaction um, between social and email as well. Rob, I wanted to uh, I wanted to piggyback off of that idea of um, your mobile app. Um, I read an article just today actually about how much uh, how much social networks are going to play a role in the future of mobile app installs. That effectively, unless you have an ultra viral component in a mobile app, the only way to get mobile app downloads nowadays is going to be via via paid, basically paid install app ads. And it talks about how. Um, but you know, Twitter, Facebook, the other social networks are going to increase their bets on mobile app installation ads. Have you thought about? Uh, is that something you guys are going to explore? Because to my understanding, the average app install ad cost is now between like two to three dollars per install. Oh wow, um, that sounds like an interesting article, actually. Um, we haven't really started talking too much about um, how. We're going to promote it yet, um, and that is that is definitely a conversation that's going to happen soon. Um, I think we're probably I don't really have a time frame yet, um, but I would say we're probably after the holidays by the time the uh, the app is is kind of ready to for for like a relaunch. Um, but I, I will definitely be looking at our social channels um, to try to to drive more downloads for that. I mean. The, the statistics are already showing that a lot of people are accessing Twitter, Facebook, um, LinkedIn through the mobile app pretty regularly. So that would be the, the, the target audience that we really want to go for anyway. Um, but that we haven't heard of having those discussions yet, but that's, that's definitely going to be part of, of the discussion will be how we're going to play that into uh, our current social followings. Now, the other, the other thing I wanted to know more about is uh, you were talking before about how email is, as, as of right now, is your, your best channel uh, and stickiest channel. I was wondering, how many different social networks are you using to acquire that email list? You had touched on it lightly. And which ones do you see as most effective? And do you think that you, were, um, you, think that you will spend more time in those more effective channels and start moving away from the less effective? Or do you think you just need to improve your strategy on the ones that are not as effective right now. We, uh, we, we saw a pretty heavy hit um, from the Facebook apocalypse last year. Um, you know, like I said, we're pushing almost 100,000 fans, and there are times when the visibility is really, really low. And uh, you know, I've, I've done some stuff with, with promoter posts, and uh, actually the, the interview you guys had with uh, John Loomer not too long ago, uh, really got me interested in dark posts. I haven't done much with dark posts yet. Um, I just imagine like Darth Vader sending emails. Um, but I do want to kind of check that out a little bit more because I don't want to give up on our on our Facebook fan base because I feel like we have a lot of people there that would be interested in what we have. They're just not seeing it. But as far as uh, driving people to our emails, um, I think Twitter is is our big one. Um, Anne gets a lot of visibility. Um, she's on a lot of Twitter lists, and that one I think is, aside from just driving the most traffic to our website, um, I think also gives us the most bang for our buck uh, in terms of email. So that's that's something I'm going to focus on more. Um, the the audience options that they give you when it comes to advertising is something I'm going to play with a little bit more. I did that um, this past October when we were advertising for our our event. So uh, I got a, a pretty solid taste for advertising on uh, Twitter, and I want to I want to do that a lot more in 2015 to see if we can really um, build upon that. Have you have you played with their new ad unit that or the I guess it's relatively ad unit um, where you uh, where you can actually add into your email lists directly, like they can click um, subscribe or whatever. I forget what the actual or sign up. I forget what the actual call to action is. But it instantly puts their email address into your database. Have you tried those oh, yet? That that sounds right up my alley. <laughs> cards feature? What's that? That's through the Twitter cards feature? Yeah, I believe so. I mean, I know I know I saw a couple. I'm looking for one right now through my Twitter feed. I know I saw a couple recently um, on my phone. Although I can't see one right now, which is a bummer. But I, I am aware that there is this call to action now where they can just simply. Um, Sign up for whatever email list you you want them to sign up for. Yeah, that's that's uh, probably something I'll be doing a lot more next year. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be embracing paid a lot more um, to try to spread out our our reach on on social networks. Um, 
especially on, on Facebook, our, our organic reach is just abysmal. So um, allocating some budget to doing some paid media uh, is going to be definitely part of my strategy for 2015. Great. Yeah, I, by the way, I found it, everybody. The call to action is get on the list. So I found an ad unit that has it. Get get on the list is the is the call to action, and uh, I don't know if you can adjust that or not, but I think that's a something worth trying for sure. Yeah, that sounds great. That's very cool. Awesome. Very nice. Hey, uh, Rob. One thing I wanted to ask you about before we go uh, to commercials in the next uh, section of the show is uh, you, you were talking about sort of unexpected social channels that you've had success with. Google Plus might be unexpected for some. The other one I think is pretty interesting is that you've got a fairly robust Pinterest thing going on over there. Uh, and, and one of my favorite executions is your Snarketing uh, board. Could you talk about that a little bit and, and how that came to be and, and what you're doing with Pinterest? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we do use Pinterest for um, the more visual stuff. Like So we use it a lot for infographics. Um, we have a an artist slash employee on staff named Veronica Jarski who does those those drawings. I just I think they're fantastic. Um, and you know, marketing props has a personality to it, um, partially built off of Anne Hanley's personality, which you know it has a little bit of a, a snarky kind of sarcastic tone, but also being helpful and you know genuinely interesting or interested in, in helping people. And so that whole idea was like kind of poking fun at our own industry. Um, because there, there, there are a lot of things to poke fun at when it comes to you know things that happen in marketing, especially when there's bad marketers out there. And so um, yeah, we, we have a lot of fun with that. I, I actually want to kind of refresh that um, and try something a little different with with Veronica because uh, I think we can have a lot of fun with that. But um, yeah, Pinterest actually does pretty well for us when it comes to the visual content. Um, I haven't given it as much attention as I would like to uh, in the last few months. So um, I'm hoping to kind of develop a little bit more of a strategy with that because I feel like we do have a pretty solid following on there. Um, but yeah, I, I think Pinterest has a lot of opportunity for us and, and for marketers in general, as long as they have good quality um, visual content. Yeah, have something to say. Absolutely. Great stuff. We'll be back with a little bit more from Rob Zaleski, who's the marketing manager for Marketing Profs in just a second. First, I want to remind everybody that this podcast, the podcast that you are listening to right now, is brought to you by the good people at Salesforce Marketing Cloud, a world leader in interactive marketing software powering the email, web, mobile, social programs of lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of companies all over the world. Uh, this week, our friends at Salesforce Marketing Cloud have an exceptional free download called the State of Marketing Leadership Report. Today's marketing leader, people like Rob, must be agile, data-focused, data and customer-obsessed more so than ever before. So Salesforce Marketing Cloud, in cooperation with LinkedIn, who we've been talking about in this episode, they surveyed more than 900 senior-level marketers on LinkedIn in a joint research report to learn really what's top of mind among senior marketers, whether they're directors, VPs, CMOs, or beyond. People like you, what are we thinking about? You will find out in the State of Marketing Leadership Report. It's free. You should download it. You're going to learn some stuff. It'll make you think. Get it right now at bit.ly slash marketing leadership. That's bit.ly slash marketing leadership, all lowercase and that is from Salesforce Marketing Cloud. And the Social Pros Podcast is also brought to you, brought to you by my friends at Formstack. Terrific software. I use it all the time myself. It lets marketers like us create forms, test forms, do A-B testing on forms, improve your conversion rate, etc. without getting IT involved. They have uh, a really interesting report as well, which surveys marketers to determine how they use Google Analytics and all kinds of tips for making better use of your Google Analytics. Almost everybody who listens to this show gets involved in Google, Google Analytics at some level. And a lot of times we're just scratching the surface. You know what I'm talking about. This report will help you take your GA usage to the next level. It's from my friends at Formstack. You can get that at bit.ly slash GA report. That's bit.ly slash GA report, capital G, capital A, lowercase report. Jeffrey K. Roars, do you have for us a social media number of the week? I most certainly do. In fact, uh, I've got a few for you. Um, I'm going to tie together a couple of uh, headlines that I've seen, one of which 
comes from our friends at Marketing Profs. So uh, on the 26th of November, they uh, had an article posted, Should Stores Stay Open All Day at Thanksgiving? And of course, this was a, a big uh, topic of conversation uh, this year, uh, both within uh, social and marketing circles, as well as just in the common population, because more and more stores stayed open on uh, Thanksgiving, which took employees away from their families. And that was a, a, a source of raging debate as to whether that's something that we want to see proliferate in the U.S. or perhaps go away. And so Loyalty One had surveyed about 1,000 U.S. consumers, and 50% of them, 50% said no, stores should not stay open all day on Thanksgiving. 33% said yes, they should, and 17% said not sure. Now, what I'd love to see is this survey done again, uh, perhaps uh, now and then next year for benchmarking and have it tweak a little bit uh, to understand specifically, A, what stores are talking about, and B, the phrasing open all day, uh, I think attracts probably a more negative reaction um, than should stores be open at all on Thanksgiving. Um, so points to you know perhaps some things that they want to do in the surveying. But the second piece I want to tie together for conversation's sake with you, gents, uh, comes from the New York Times yesterday in which um, it was determined that uh, the uh, by the National uh, Retail Federation that uh, sales uh, both from Thanksgiving and through Black Friday had dropped 11% to $50.9 billion from $57.4 billion last year. Uh, and that was quite unexpected because of the extra shopping hours uh, at many stores on Thanksgiving and the usual Black Friday uh, promotion. And so despite the hubbub about Thanksgiving, despite all of the hype of Black Friday, the numbers are dramatically down year over year. Um, and I just wanted to get your anecdotal thoughts. First, find out from the group, did anybody shop on Thanksgiving in a retail store? No. Uh, no, I, I actually okay. bought <laughs> I bought peanut oil. Uh, actually, it's a true story. So uh, we were at our friend's farm, and a bunch of uh, three families got together for Thanksgiving. We were going to fry the turkey. Realized we didn't have enough oil because we didn't do like you're supposed to do and put it in water first to figure out how much oil you need because you know we don't think that far ahead. And so we didn't have enough oil, so we had to drive back to town. It's like 25 minutes to the grocery store. We get to the grocery store. I'm like, oh, I don't have my wallet. My buddy who's driving, I don't have my wallet either. So neither of us have our wallets. Uh, the turkey is supposed to go in the oil. We're 25 minutes from home. Uh, we were like, hey, can we call you with a credit card grocery store manager? Like, no, nah, we don't do that. So we literally had to go to the last guy in line and be like, hey, will you give us $20 right now? And we will give you $40 tomorrow. Uh, but our conversion rate on that was 100%. First guy we asked said yes. Uh, and nice thing about living in a small town, we could track him down the next day and give him his 40 bucks. So that was in fact my Thanksgiving day shopping experience, which wasn't really shopping. It was more like panhandling for oil, but yes. that's exactly what happened. That was that was really panhandling. So do you have a stat from sure IBM on that? <laughs> I'm panhandling. I don't think anybody did the surveying on that. I'll look, though. Next year. You know, something interesting about that report, too, is uh, the, the percentage of people that said yes, uh, the store should be open. I think over half of those people fell in the millennial age range. Mm -hmm. That'll be interesting to see as those millennials kind of get a little bit older and have a little bit more expendable income and start maybe having families, like, how will that change their perception of whether or not stores should be open on Thanksgiving or not? I think that's a great point um, that I, I, I really would like to see a deeper level of surveying in this area because, you know, if you are, you know, childless or you're not responsible for dropping the turkey in peanut oil or a smoker, that probably changes your opinion a little bit. It also changes your opinion in terms of, you know, what kind of tradition is Thanksgiving for you? And uh, I certainly understand we're in a convenient society, but it's interesting with the shopping numbers going down, I think you're going to be seeing a lot of folks digging in, uh, especially post Cyber Monday, which we're recording this podcast on, uh, to understand have they actually, you know, watered down the big event sale because now it's spread out across too many days. And so it doesn't create the kind of, you know, we must go out on Black Friday. That's the day that you get the biggest, you know, uh, opportunity to, to save. Um, and so I think there'll be some some very interesting conversations around that. One one little postscript, by the way, that some of you may have caught um, in that in that New York Times article, which will be shared on the blog. Um, 
was a little a little note about Alibaba in China. And Alibaba, of course, went uh, public this year. Huge, uh, huge, huge IPO. Uh, their biggest shopping day in China is November 11th, which is called Singles Day. And Alibaba alone did 9.3 billion dollars in sales on November 11th, Singles Day. And you know, you compare that to the entirety of retail in the U.S., which did 50.9 billion on uh, Black uh, Friday and also Thanksgiving Day this year, and it gives you a sense of scale of what Alibaba is in China and the growth of that company. That's incredible. You know, the original question of should stores be open on Thanksgiving, I think that's a, I don't know if they if they asked that in a, a more nuanced way, but, you know, a store isn't a store isn't a store. I mean, do I need a place to get peanut oil right. on Thanksgiving? Uh, evidently, I do. Uh, you know, do I need to be able to buy a bunch of other things on Thanksgiving? I mean, do I do I need a, a cravat um, on Thanksgiving? Probably not. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stores that are not necessarily um, a requirement to be open. But food, uh, I would say, yeah. So if you ask me, should grocery stores be open on Thanksgiving? I would say absolutely. You know, should should you know jewelry stores be open on Thanksgiving? I would say probably not. So I think part of that is just is just questionnaire design as well. I I, I couldn't agree more because I, I was trying to find some other research on the topic and um, the the questions never delve deep enough, right? They don't delve deep enough in type of store. They don't delve deep enough in the demographic profile uh, of the individuals they're surveying. Uh, to you know, Al's point about the you know the the millennials. There's generational differences. There's uh, familial differences. There's probably regional differences. And I think there's a fascinating survey there to be had if uh, if only we go a level deeper. So uh, certainly something uh, you know to watch for for next year. Yeah, and the way I see it is the consumers already spoken. It doesn't matter how the um, survey is written. The sales numbers are down. I mean, so the consumer has spoken with their dollars. And so what we're, I think what we're seeing here is um, a, lot, a lot of change, right? Well, I think it's, it goes back to the battle for the customer, which continues to increasingly get harder and harder for every retailer. For most retailers we hear about is that they're suffering. Um, and then we hear about also even the biggest retailer of all right now, the, the biggest grill in the room is Amazon, but they never report profits. And so it's a big challenge because the consumer expectation of what is a discount or when they expect convenience is putting just – really a significant strain on the business. And I think as marketing, on the marketing side, it's the same thing because the competitive field to place an ad unit. So I saw a couple data points already are starting to come out that Black Friday, for example, the hashtag Black Friday or other hashtags such as deals or Cyber Monday are more than double of what they were last year. You have different brands like Lowe's and Home Depot and many other different retailers producing their own hashtags, trying to create some momentum for themselves. So everyone's participating in this climate. That's, of course, going to increase the bid price on any social unit. As you know, Facebook, everyone's going to be a pay-to-play platform. Um, so it becomes an increasing challenge, right? That's the, that's the biggest challenge businesses are facing is it's hard to market. It's getting more expensive to market. And not only that, the consumers are actually spending less. So now your marketing efforts are tending to yield smaller results. I think there's going to be – I wouldn't be surprised to see some big brands come out and take more of a – a strategy to try to build their, uh, you know, to try to build a brand based on non-discounting. Um, I think you're going to see some businesses try that and uh, be pushing harder to create the value. I think the value chain of business is starting to break down. Yeah, the, uh, you know, one other little thought on this is that this is also the first Black Friday, and I, I could be wrong on this, but that I can recall where there were very prominent anti-shopping hashtags. So you had uh, hashtag blackout Black Friday and also the hashtag not one dime, uh, some of which were tied to uh, uh, Ferguson protests yeah. uh, about the grand jury outcome. But others were, you know, tied to, you know, kind of the in, the infringement of commercialism on kind of that family time. So yeah. uh, there's going to be a lot of postscript on this as people kind of parse yeah. out, you know, what actually had the influence and why the numbers are down. Yeah, we'll, there were we'll also some big businesses that were back in small businesses. Um, like Chase, I don't know if you guys saw like Chase and Amex, they were pushing for people to spend their money not on Black Friday, excuse me, yet Black Friday or Thanksgiving, but actually wait for 
um, Small Business Saturday, I believe is what they called it, or campaigns around that. So yeah. it'd be interesting to see how the numbers pan out across the small businesses as well. Well, and that's the thing, right? I mean, we, we won't know what the true story is until uh, until New Year's because having less dollars spent or fewer dollars spent, I should say, uh, on Black Friday or even Cyber Monday uh, doesn't mean really anything if those dollars uh, are just spread across a larger time horizon. So right. it, the question is, is, is shopping down or shopping as uh, a snapshot in time down? I mean, I bought a bunch of stuff last night, and I don't think there's anything that, that Sunday is called. Um, and when I went to the websites that I went to to buy some things for my family for the holidays, it was still Black Friday deals, right? So it's Sunday, and it was still the Black Friday yep. promotion codes were all still uh, in full force. And so I think the way these studies are written, my dollar spent uh, yesterday, which was somewhat considerable would not have counted in any sort of Black Friday or even Cyber Monday calculations because I was in the middle. And I think that's a large part of what's going on here. People realize that like, look, you know what, it's going to be the same Thursday and Saturday and Tuesday. Um, people are not going to, you know, have a, a one hour or one day promo code anymore because people, you know, the world is more fluid than that these days. And so I think that's what we're seeing, um, but we'll know in a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's funny, Jay. I, I did the same thing. I made my biggest purchase of the season last night after doing research and um, and uh, comparing things and kind of watching the prices. So, yeah. Well, I have time to shop on Sunday. I don't have time to shop on Monday, right? I mean, that's literally the issue. So I would much prefer we have Black Sunday um, than, than Cyber Monday because, uh, I, you know, I, I'm actually on my computer with time to shop. On Monday, I'm recording a podcast, right? I, you know, as much as I would like to be uh, well, buying, buying snow tires in my other monitor, uh, I am not. Although I should say just in terms of Rob Zaleski's incredible uh, capabilities as the marketing manager for Marketing Profs, as we were discussing the last point, I just got an email from Marketing Profs. Um, so well done, Rob. Your uh, marketing automation system is finely tuned. Marketing at its finest. Here we go. Yes. Hey, hey, Jay, I do, I do think there is a problem calling it Black Sunday because of the classic action drama thriller Black Sunday from 1977 <laughs> involving the uh, the uh, giant blimp being flown into the football stadium. I, I remember. I remember. I still shudder. Probably trademark. We should probably provide a link to that. We should at yeah, least the climactic climactic scene. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, two, two other things before I get into the the next uh, uh, sponsor acknowledgments, and then uh, we've got the two big questions with Rob. Uh, one, uh, I want to mention to everybody out there that our co-host. Uh, of the show, Mr. Jeffrey K. Roars. His fantastic book, Audience, uh, was recently named the best social media book uh, for MBA students. Uh, so congratulations, Jeff. That is fantastic. Thank you very much. It was an unsuspected and uh, greatly appreciated honor. It's awesome. A terrific book. If you haven't had a chance to read Audience yet, makes a fantastic, if somewhat uh, uh, math-inclusive uh, inclusive, uh, holiday gift. And I want to remind everybody that this podcast, Social Pros, as well as Jay Today and Marketing Smarts from uh, Rob's organization and a bunch of other ones can be found on our brand new website, marketingpodcasts.com. We now have 460 marketing podcasts in the database categorized a whole bunch of different ways. So if you haven't had a chance to look at marketingpodcasts.com to find awesome other podcasts that you might want to listen to, you should do that and I will appreciate it. Okay. This podcast, Social Pros, is also brought to you by the good people at Cision, the leading provider of software services and tools to the public relations industry, recently merged with Vocus, all kinds of goings on over there. Uh, terrific content. They have a great um, free resource called Six Tips to Help Amplify Your Content, which is really important, right? We've been talking about that today with paid social, etc. You know, we, we can make content, but if nobody sees that content, kind of what's the point? And so, Cision has a great free download called Six Tips to Help Amplify Your Content. You'll learn a lot there. Grab it at bit.ly slash Amplify Cision. That's bit.ly slash Amplify Cision. That's all lowercase, and Cision is spelled C-I-S-I-O-N. And lastly, but certainly not leastly, the Social Pros Podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Xbeon. Uh, and about two weeks ago or so, uh, Albert and I did a webinar on strategies for cross-channel social measurement, where we talked about how to align different social channels. So if you're involved in Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and Pinterest and a bunch of Google Plus, the way Rob Zaleski is, at some point you've got to say, well, this versus that. Like, what is the impact of what we're doing on Twitter versus the impact of what we're doing on LinkedIn? Some of the things we've talked about here today 
Albert and I put together a webinar uh, about that topic. It's 95% uh, Albert being smart, 5% me just saying funny things. Uh, but that is now available for download and for replay. And if you haven't had a chance to grab it, I really think you should. And I'm not just saying that. It is a different kind of thought process around social metrics that we don't talk about very much. I think it's really, really worth your time. Go to bit.ly slash measures. That's bit.ly slash measures. That's E-X-P-I-O-N measures, all lowercase. Uh, and make sure you grab it. Great job, Albert. It was a lot of fun working with you on that. Appreciate it. Okay, Rob, here we go. The two big questions for Rob Zaleski, who is the marketing manager for Marketing Profs. If you're not a Marketing Profs member, you probably ought to think about doing that as well. Makes a great holiday gift. You could get yourself a Marketing Profs membership, a copy of Jeff's book, and everybody is a winner. All right, Rob, what one tip would you give people looking to become a social pro? Well, I'm going to pull this from my own personal experience, and it's always be open to meeting new people. Um, through my kind of path to getting this job at Marketing Profs, there are plenty of opportunities where I could have said, no, I don't want to you know, deal with South by Southwest traffic, or no, uh, I already have plans, I'm not going to do this. Um, and had I, had I followed that route as opposed to just being open to meeting new people, I probably would not be here right now um, on this podcast talking to you guys. Um, so if you have an opportunity, always take it. Um, and don't do it for the sake of networking. Do it for the sake of meeting new people and creating those relationships. And you, know, you guys have been doing this for long enough. You know, I'm sure you can probably give plenty of testaments to you know, working together with other marketers in the early days that have now developed into these really great relationships. Um, I think you were actually talking about that recently on another episode, Jay. Yeah. Um, where you said, like, back in the day, you know, we were all just helping each other out, and now look where you guys are, right? Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I think we've got a couple minutes. Um, uh, I want you to tell that story, if you could, about how you met uh, Mark Schaefer, who's a, a good friend of the program and a great podcaster and blogger and author in his own right and has been on the Social Pros show. Uh, why don't you tell that story uh, in a couple minutes? Because I think it will really help illuminate what you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it actually started out, I was just a reader of Mark's blog at Businesses Grow. And uh, when he came out with his book with Stanford Smith, uh, Born to Blog, he was doing a uh, contest where if you emailed him and told him why you deserve to win a copy of the book, um, it would put you in the drawing. And I actually got an email back from him that same day, which was surprising because I was like, really? He probably got thousands of emails. Um, and we kind of hit it off. He, I, he found out I was from Austin, and that was right before South by Southwest 2013. And uh, when he came into town, uh, he likes to get people together for dinner and drinks, and he actually invited me, which I was like, Wait, what? <laughs> okay. And uh, that was actually when I first met Carrie O'Shea-Gorgon, um, who does our podcast, uh, Marketing Props. And, uh, you know, as you do when you meet people, you exchange Twitter handles and Instagram handles and uh, kind of got to, to know everybody a little bit. And then this past year for South by Southwest, uh, Mark was actually speaking on the topic of content shock. And uh, I didn't have a pass to South by this year. I wasn't able to afford it. Um, but I told him, you know, good luck, and I, let me know how it goes. But he apparently got a free day pass. And so he asked me if I wanted to use his day pass so I could come check it out, which, again, I was like, really? Yeah, okay. And, um, you know, had I said no to either of those, I wouldn't be here. Um, but then after his talk, which was first thing in the morning, um, I had a whole itinerary planned out for the day. Um, but then I ran into Carrie again and uh, Dave Cutler, and they asked me if I wanted to hang out with them for the day. So I threw my plans out the window and said, yeah, of course. And throughout that entire day, I got to, I got to know Carrie. We talked and nerded out about marketing. Uh, she introduced me to DJ Waldo and Tran, just all kinds of you know, really cool marketers that happened to be in town for the, the event. And then... Uh, a couple months later, I got an email from her and said that this job opened up at Marketing Profs, and uh, I thought of you first thing. Do you want me to put you in contact with, with the person that's hiring? And like I said you know, at the beginning of the show, I, uh, if anything, it was an amazing networking opportunity to get to talk to some people at Marketing Profs. And, uh, and the entire time I kept saying, well, they're, they're probably not going to hire me. Uh, they, they likely won't hire me. Maybe they'll hire me. And then they offered me the position. Uh, and six months later, here I am. 
See, just by reading a blog, you can get a job as a marketing manager for a very respected marketing organization. As long as you connect all the dots and you're smart and thoughtful uh, and, uh, and, and are somebody that people want to be around. Well done, Rob. That was my main thing, too, was that I never once was, you know, trying to dig in to find out if there was a position maybe open at Marketing Props or if maybe Mark was looking for somebody to help him out at businesses grow. Like the, it, was, it was just getting to know people. And that's, that, I think, is where you're going to make your genuine connections. Yes, sir. Well done. Okay, Rob, final question for Rob Zaleski, Marketing Manager at Marketing Profs. If you could do a Skype call with any living person, who would it be and why? I would love to have a conversation with Kevin Spacey. Ooh, good one. He, uh, I do theater and acting on the side, and I, I've always respected him as an actor. I think he makes great choices. He does amazing, interesting characters. Uh, and he's always been consistent. But then his most recent uh, appearance where he talked about um, content and give people what they want, when they want, and where they want it. You know, he, that To me, he gets it. He understands how to reach an audience and, and how to connect with an audience in multiple ways. And I would love to spend an hour just picking his brain on that. <laughs> yeah, that would be spectacular. Okay, Jeff, your assignment is to get Spacey on the show. You can do that. I'll do my best. I, I know you will. My favorite episode of, of Social Pros. Mine as well. <laughs> Rob, thanks so much for being on the show. You were fantastic. We appreciate your time. Congratulations on the great work you're doing at Marketing Profs. Albert, welcome to the show. Great to have you on board. Uh, Jeffrey, always good to talk to you. I think by this time, uh, next recording, you may have entered uh, the Johnny Football era uh, as a Cleveland Browns fan, so that could be uh, a good news, bad news situation. No, it's yet another quarterback controversy in Cleveland, so... Well, I, I, I said it at the beginning of the season, let them play 16 games. Yeah, no Cannot doubt. get excited about this team in the middle of the season. No doubt. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're circling the drain, I'm afraid. <laughs> we have two more shows uh, this year, 2014 Social Pros. Next week, I'm super excited uh, to talk to Barry Mogul, who is uh, the head of digital for the Corcoran Group, which is a high-end luxury real estate company in New York City and Miami. And I've got tons of case studies about the work that she and her firm are doing in my book, uh, Utility for Real Estate. I mean, like some really awesome, awesome stuff with IFTTT recipes and Tumblr. And, you know, she just really is pushing the envelope. So if you want to geek out on some advanced social stuff that you haven't thought of in the past, next week is going to be the episode for you. And then our last show of the year is going to be uh, Julie Hopkins from Gartner talking about the big picture and research and trends and all that. So it'd be nice to have an actual analyst on the air instead of us just pretending to be analysts. So we're looking forward to that. Until next week, I am Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. He's Jeff Roars and Albert Chow. Thanks very much to Rob Zaleski. Thanks to all of you for listening to the show and for your reviews on iTunes. Check us out on marketingpodcasts.com as well. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Social Pros, the show for real people doing real work in social media. Please tell your friends about the show. Subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher and view all episodes at socialpros.com. Until next week, thanks to Cision, Janray, XPN, and ExactTarget, a Salesforce.com company.